0: Well, good morning and welcome back. This is Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LaBurge. If you're just joining us for the very first time, uh, we uh, take the headline news of the day and we seek to apply the mind of Christ. We have conversations with other Christians about what's uh, happening in the world, and together we seek to uh, pursue Christ in the things of real life. So a few headlines from uh, around the world and right here at home. Um, First, I've got a headline for us out of Haiti, You will uh, recall that some six months ago, the president of Haiti, um, President Moise, was assassinated by what we now know were Colombian mercenaries. Um, Gangs have taken control of much of Haiti. In fact, uh, reports are that gangs are now in control of more than half of the territory of the nation of Haiti. There is a, a person who is serving as the acting president and prime minister. And yesterday, gunmen uh, attempted to um, assassinate Ariel Henry uh, at church on Sunday. And so um, let's be upholding Ariel Henry in our prayers, um, the acting president and prime minister of Haiti. Let's be upholding um, those individuals who are seeking to Maintain order. Restore order. Uh, Let's be praying for God's Spirit to uh, pass like a wave um, over Haiti, that peace might be sown in the hearts of men, that they might choose to live in order and not in chaos uh, one with the other. I'm mindful here of James 1 verses 19 and 20, um, encouraging each of us and all of us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to anger For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. I lift that up um, because there are right ways to protest and raise concerns, and there are ways that are wrong. And there's going to be a lot of conversation today about what happened a year ago tomorrow on January the 6th. And I want us as Christians to be top of mind, mindful, top of mind, mindful um, that we are the people of God, that we are the people of God and that means that we are going to be godly in the midst of ungodliness even as it rages around us. Um here's an interesting protest idea. I'm not actually advocating this. I just found it um totally fascinating and worthy of lifting up. So, what would you do if you were a frustrated beekeeper? How might you um uh, demonstrate your frustration and protest against your government? Well, in Santiago, Chile, a bunch of beekeepers Got together to made their make their grievances known to the government. There, they want some government aid. Um, they're in the midst of a um, a multi year drought, and the government is not coming alongside and taking care of uh, the agriculture sector. And so these beekeepers thought, well, you know what? We are going to get their attention. And so they hauled ten thousand bees to um, to the presidential palace. Now they didn't let them loose. But let me just tell you, when you transport 10,000 bees, even in their little beehives um, or in their bee boxes, they don't stay in those bee boxes. And so, yes, the bees, some of them at least uh, stung police officers. Uh, The police officers, unable to take the bees into custody, instead took the beekeepers into custody and detained them. But then, of course, they didn't have anyone to remove the bees. So they had to let the beekeepers out to remove the bees, to keep the peace. There you go. I know. It's about all I got for you this morning in terms of like interesting headline news um, that, well, it's just an interesting time to be alive. That'll just be my observation. Um, Kentucky Fried Chicken is introducing a new plant-based beyond fried chicken. So it's not actually chicken, um, but they're going to call it chicken to plant-based beyond fried chicken. And just in time for your New Year's plant-based diet plan, uh, just to be clear, if you um, dredge something in KFC uh, flour and then you fry it in KFC peanut oil, it's, um, it's probably just about as unhealthy for you as an actual piece of chicken dredged in that tasty flour combo double battered, double fried, extra crispy. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Bill English is up next from Bibleandbusiness.com. I don't know, but I might ask him what his favorite dog breed is, as the American Kennel Club has officially recognized two new dog breeds that are, in fact, not new. Spoiler alert. Mine's the Canardly. We'll be right back. Bill English is back in the house. Happy New Year, sir. Happy
2: New Year to you.
0: Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Do you have a Happy favorite New dog Year. breed?
2: My favorite dog breed? mm mm-hmm. um, I like uh, Border Collies.
0: Yeah? Do you have They're a Border smart. Collie?
2: I did at one time, yeah. hmm And uh, loved, loved, loved uh, that dog, but uh, he learned to bite, and we had to get rid of mm. him. So. hmm
0: All right. How do you feel about the Muddy or the Russian toy now recognized by the American Kennel Club and eligible to um, uh, to compete this year in Best of Show?
2: Well, you know, I saw a picture of the Muddy last night and I I kind of wondered. It's 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 a descriptive name, right? It just looks like a dirty, muddy dog. Right.
0: He totally looks like a dirty, muddy dog. I know. I know. And And I will say that the, yeah, the the other one does not look like a dog. Like that's not, I I, I don't want to be rude, but (laughs) it looks like a toy. (laughs) It looks like a toy. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, My favorite dog breed, um, thank you for asking, is the canardly. Any dog where you can hardly tell what its parents were. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a mutt fan.
2: So when when you said that in the walk up, I, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. went on dictionary.com and I looked up the word canard. It's not there. It's not in the dictionary. Well,
1: I couldn't that's find because it unless you... I
2: misspelled it.
0: No, there is no there's no such word. It's a made up word. I make up words. I don't know if you're familiar with that little trait about me. It's a it's a it's a canardly. You can hardly tell what its parents were. Canardly. You are probably trying to spell it with a K, and it's probably rightly spelled with a see can hardly like can hardly tell, can hardly <laughs> i know that's all i got for well, you this morning, we, need, we need
2: somebody to text us right and tell us what this all because we means. have
0: these we have these really <laughs> we have these difficult headlines to deal with and so i was trying to avoid that <laughs> um tell us what's going on with uh dave ramsey
2: you know i just i i don't normally post stuff like this on my site as you know but I thought on this one, this is he was so over the top on uh, calling a, a former employee a moron or a current employee a moron and saying you did absolutely no good except to piss me off. Um, I I just thought, you know, that's not what a Christian business owner says. It's not the attitudes that you want in a Christian business owner. And look, I think Dave has done a lot of good for a lot of people in a lot of places um, with their finances and giving them ways to, to get out of debt and that kind of thing. But I think he's in danger of losing a good portion of his good reputation because of how his uh, hyper-control and his bad attitudes are, are coming out through this process. He, he has an employee who is suing him for religious discrimination. I think there's a basis for this. And and I don't think that uh, Dave Ramsey has really fully understood the line between running a business and running uh, a church, so to speak, right? You know, there, there is a difference. And Christian businesses still have to follow the law, even though it, it may go against some of what we believe until it's a clear violation of Scripture. We have to follow the law. And I think Dave Ramsey is, is in danger of losing this one
0: yeah um i I know uh people personally who um work at and for and with this organization so i'm gonna um let your comments about this stand um and if folks want to read more, let me encourage you to visit bill's website bible dot com It will not be hard for you to find um the reflections uh, on what's going on at the Ramsey Organization. Um, There's also an article posted at religionnews.com as well. Um, And there's language related to this in terms of the language that Dave Ramsey chooses to use uh, to address people that is not suitable for Christian radio at all. And so if it's not suitable for Christian radio, it's not suitable for Christian discourse and the way that we would Um, speak to, about, or with one another. And so uh, let me just, you know, let's just remind ourselves about language, about the power of the tongue, um, about the passage from Ephesians chapter 4. Let no, let no unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Uh, Bill and I are going to continue our conversation in just a moment. I'm going to ask him about the very brief time that an American company um, spent at a the three trillion dollar valuation level that's a that's a big number three trillion. We'll be right back. I All right. Uh, joining us again from bibleandbusiness.com dot com is Bill English. Um, Bill, what uh, what is going on at Apple, and what does it mean that Apple became the first three trillion dollar American company?
2: Well, and it was only for a few hours, right? And then they slipped underneath that three trillion mark. But you know, what's well, a few hundred billion between friends, right? Um, Look, it, it uh, to me it just means how overvalued many of these companies are. You've got Apple right now valued at 2.9 trillion or 3 trillion if you want to round up. You got Microsoft at 2.4 trillion, Alphabet at 1.9, Amazon at 1.6 and the list goes on and on here. Uh, Facebook, believe it or not, is still only in the billions, 936 billion. Um Johnson & Johnson, for example, is at $450 billion. I I just think the whole market is overvalued, and companies are overvalued. We have so much money that's flooded into the market, and the money has to go somewhere. And the only place where people can put the money to make anything, unless they're going to invest directly into a business, is in the stock market. They're, they're not going to do it in bonds. They're not going to do it um in savings accounts with their banks or with their their institutions, and so these dollars flood into the stock market, and that inflates the price of i think of of the stocks and so um, to me it it says less about Apple than it does about just the sheer amount of money we have in our economy, and the money has to have some place to go, and it's gone into the stock market
0: um i'm thinking here you're reminding me about um the way that people started investing in let's say AMC theater stock even though the theaters weren't operating and there's an it, it there seems to be an unpredictability right now about um things related to investing and i'm i'm wondering if you're hearing that and seeing that from people as well
2: i see a little bit of that <laughs> you know um there there's a there's a group of people who know how to drive up the price game stock uh, game- game stop i'm sorry game stop, for example was driven way higher than than what it should have been because um uh these these people uh who who drove it up then shorted the stock so that they made money on the way down and uh there's mm. some nefarious activities going on in the stock market look stock market's not you know a bastion of righteousness. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's it's probably the best indicator of of uh, of where companies are really at if you can back out some of what I call the bubblishness of of the market right now.
0: Hmm. Um, when you um, look at and think about 2022, um, maybe let's just give people some personal encouragement um, on the topic of stewardship um some personal encouragement on the topic of debt. You know, I don't know. Just give us some give us some, you know, thoughts and wisdom from Bill English at Bibleandbusiness.com um, for the year ahead. You
2: never go wrong um, following biblical principles and obeying God. You just never go wrong. And so um <clears throat> the first the first area of stewardship Uh, is always about being generous towards God. And it's about taking your checkbook and opening it up and saying, God, who do you want me to give to? And even if it's only a dollar, God, who do I give to? Um, The fact that in most of our evangelical churches today, and, and, you know, we're simulcast, what, in 10 or 12 markets now? I think across half a dozen states at least. Um, There's a lot of churches within the listening range of Faith Radio right now in most of those churches, about sixty five percent of the people who go there who call that their church home never give one dollar in a twelve month period uh, to support the ministries of that church. To me, my encouragement is that you will have a you will not only have a better life but you will be able to connect with God in a way that you haven't been able to before because you start becoming generous towards God with your local church. You start tithing and you start um, you start being generous. There is a sense, I think Malachi 3, Carmen, is really accurate here. There is a sense that if we don't bring the full tithe into the storehouse, then we are robbing God. And when we are robbing God, he cannot bless us. He just can't. And so there's, there's lots of Christians out there asking God to do all kinds of things for them but they don't open up their checkbook and they don't give. And God has to stand back and say, until you become generous, until you manage your money the way I tell you to in Scripture, I am not going to bless you. In part, because if you're not giving to me, says God, then your heart is not with me. You know, lay up for yourself treasures in heavens. For uh, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And when your heart is not with God, you're not going to give to him. Conversely, if you're not giving to God, your heart is not with him. And if your heart's not with him, it's really tough for God to come along and still bless you the way that you want to. So my encouragement, and a challenge too, right? I'm I'm kind of a rancher more than a shepherd. Um, my encouragement is that people really become serious about uh, being generous towards God in tithing. Because I, I that's the only way to live in my book.
0: Becoming serious about generosity, becoming serious about stewardship, becoming serious about giving to God, um, that God might use what we place back in his hands and multiply them to his use and his glory. Um, That is, you know, as you note, Bill, uh, the most basic principle of Christian stewardship. Um, I think people like to make it more complicated than that um, because they like to not tithe. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we yeah. we would yeah. we would like to make it more complicated than that. Um, we would like for there to be a more complicated scheme to all of this. And yet, you have distilled it right down to the truth. Um, and uh, and I really think that your question about our individual personal support of the local church is critical to this conversation. And if you're listening right now, and you say to yourself, "You know what? I'm not part of a local church because there's not." Um, you know, there's not a a church that I have found worthy of my, uh, of me, Um, then I want you to pause and think about that thought for just a moment. Um, You cannot claim to love the bridegroom if you do not love the bride. And, you know, the the old meme, or what's now a meme, but used to just be the old church sign, um, you know, CH, blank, blank, CH, uh, what's missing? You are. Um, The reality (laughs) is the body of Christ is diminished if you are not there and actively a part of it. So the robbing of God and the robbing of the people of God is not only uh, in terms of our tithe, but sometimes we rob God and God's people and God's uh, body of ourselves, of our time and of our talent. Like the body of Christ actually needs you. If you have been called as a follower of Christ, then... God has designed the body to include you, the gifts, talents, abilities, uh, treasures that he has poured into your life. And so we need you to bring forth the whole tithe, uh, your time, your talents, yourself, uh, and yes, your financial gifts in order that the body can rightly function in the world that God so loves. So there you go. All right, uh, Bill, we got to leave it right there. Um, but right. what a joy to talk with you in this new year. Maybe I should have asked you uh, when you said you're more of a um more of a rancher. no, what was your what was your line there in terms of uh, more describing of a rancher yourself
2: than a shepherd more of a rancher more of a, than a rancher shepherd.
0: than a shepherd. So what yeah. kind of dog breed would you be?
2: Oh good heavens! Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. That we'll oh, just leave that for what? next time. No, no, yeah, we're going to leave look, it for look. next time because that'll give you something to think about. and Whether or not you're going to fuss <laughs> with your hair over it, and you know, dog and pony shows, all kinds of things. Yeah, see, we got I we got stuff ahead. We got a whole year ahead, Bill, to work on this question.
2: I, I would not be well groomed. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way.
0: <laughs> well, see, then the muddy might be your guy. All right, I might so, be a muddy. I know, he's really, it's a cute dog, it's a cute dog. All right, that's Bill English. You can check out what he's thinking about and writing at Bibleandbusiness.com. Bill, the name and title of the book, so I don't get it wrong.
2: Uh, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership, and you know, we talk a lot about stewardship. I talk a lot about stewardship in that book, but it's called A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. You can get it at Amazon, Kobo, all all the online.
0: Or you can just go to Bibleandbusiness.com and click. There you go. This yep. is super easy. Super easy. Yep. Hey, thank you, my yep. brother. We'll talk with you, you soon. Bet. Thank you. Oh, and happy, um, like, eighth anniversary on The Morning Show. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you very You've much. been doing this yeah. longer than me. This is, like, worthy of pointing out. <laughs> All right. That's Bill English. He's still with us, which we love and celebrate. Bibleandbusiness.com. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Uh, I do love you guys. Uh, Naomi has uh, let us know that uh, she's a dog groomer. And so I have um, I have sent Naomi a message. Um, All right, because I feel like Naomi, you're in a really good position to tell us what kind of dog breeds we would be if we were dogs. So check out your um, phone because I sent you a text message back. Um, all right, so Justin Early is one of my favorite people to talk with. I love the way he's thinking about life and faith and the application of um, of faith in in real life. He's the author of the Common Rule. We've had him on recently um, with his new book Habits of the Household. And I thought at the outset of this new year, it'd be really, really good to talk with Justin again about the differences between resolutions and habits. So. Uh, Justin Whitmull Early, up next, on why habits is what we need to be focused on, not on resolutions. We'll be right back.
1: This is Max Locato. We typically think of Joshua as taking the promised land. It's more precise to think of Joshua as taking God at his word. God said, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Joshua led the Hebrews to cross the Jordan, bring down the walls of Jericho, and defeat the 31 enemy kings. Every time he faced a challenge, he did so with faith, because he trusted his inheritance. What if you do the same? Standing before you is a Jericho wall of fear, brick upon brick of anxiety and dread. It's a stronghold that keeps you out of Canaan. Circumstances say, coward are your fears. Your inheritance says otherwise. You are a child of the King, and His perfect love casts out fear. Move forward. Choose your inheritance.
3: This is a new day. Everything bursting with hope. Coming alive. Coming
0: this moment, moment. Well, in this new year, uh, we were thinking, who could we have back to talk with us about the patterns of our life. And I, as soon as we say patterns of life, I think of habits. And as soon as I think of habits, I think of Justin Early and all we have talked about in not only The Common Rule, but more recently, habits of the household. So joining us again today, Justin Whitmill Early. Let me encourage you to check out his website where you can find not only his books, but lots of other great resources as well. Justin Whitmell, W-H-I-T-M-E-L, and then Early. And it's dot com. Justin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Thank you so much, Carmen. So happy to be here.
0: Well, we're thrilled to have you. So it's a new year. Um, we have another opportunity to you know reconsider how we live, the patterns of our life. You say we need to focus on habits, not resolutions. So let's start there. Why not resolutions?
3: I love this question. Do habits, not resolutions, because habits are what actually form a person. Resolutions, I think, are satisfying emotionally to make, but they tend to not lead to any change at all. They tend, as we actually all know, to lead to some matter of embarrassment by late January or early February when we abandon them. But you know, we were built for change. I think the core message of, of Jesus is that our past goes away because what he's done for us and our future is opened up because of what he can do for us. And And so I really think to honor the the scriptural message that we are built for change, we are built for renewal, we should think about participating with Jesus in that renewal and habits are the way to do that.
0: All right, so let's do that. So let's talk about habits. We've most recently talked with you about habits of the household. Um, you talk about those being the engine of a family's spiritual formation, but I, I want to take a step maybe back prior to that and talk, uh, remind people about the common rule, um, because I think that you really got me thinking about Choosing different patterns when you reminded me of, you know, kind of this way of living by a particular set of rules or guiding principles in life. So, could you remind people of the common rule?
3: Yeah, absolutely. In all of my writing on the spiritual power of habits, my base assumption is that we're all living according to a regimented program of habit, whether we know it or not. So, the question for us is not whether. Habits are forming our spiritual life, our mental health, even our physical and emotional health. The question is just what kinds of habits? You know, you can go your whole life without making a New Year's resolution, um, but you can't go a day without living according to habit. And so what I want people to think about and what I try to write about in the Common Rule and Habits of the Household is thinking about what kinds of habits are currently forming you right now to, to name a few, for example, you know, what's your pattern when you wake up first thing in the morning of looking at your phone? Um, what's your pattern of paying attention to news and email alerts throughout the day? What's your pattern of eating meals with people? What's your pattern of resting or not resting every week? These these are the places where we find our attention, um, our schedule, our presence or lack of presence with others are actually deeply affected. And those are the places that I would encourage people to look at resetting habits for the new year in order to really try to be a person who loves God and loves neighbor and is made more in the image of Jesus this year with small patterns like a weekly Sabbath or committing to the small habit of Scripture before phone. There's many others I could talk about, but these are the kind of habits that actually form most of our life.
0: So I had a um, an interesting conversation with, an, with a mom um, after you and I talked about uh, habits of the household, and I was sharing with her some of the things that you had said, and she kind of furrowed her brow, and she's like, I don't really think we have, like, ha- habits in our family. And I'm <laughs> like, really? So I was over there um, a couple of evenings later, and and uh, they went through their kind of family routine, and um, and I then later observed to her, I'm like, okay, so do you recognize that, like, you know, where you, where you allow your children to sit when they eat and whether or not the television is on? that is a habit. And that is a liturgy in your house. And she's like, what? I mean, you know, they just, you know, I just, I just give them their food where they're sitting. I'm like, yeah, and they're sitting in front of the TV and it's still on. So that's a habit. That's a pattern. And, you know, you have to like intentionally decide as the mom here, is that what I want? Is that the habit I want to be formed in their life? That, that you eat a meal in front of a TV instead of, you know, in front of one another in fellowship. So you helped me have language to talk with her and then help her identify, oh, you know what? There is a rhythm here. There is a habit here. It's, you know, and, oh, if it's just something that oh, we just occasionally do, we don't always do that. Well, mm-hmm. how often is your occasionally, right? It might be more of a habit than you <laughs> right, recognize. Right,
3: right. I, I love that point, Carmen, because it's it's so helpful for people to open their eyes to the habits they already have. And it's also really important for anybody listening to remember that Jesus is gracious with you because opening your eyes to the habits you currently have, how much you're on your phone, how much your kids are on their screens, what, what you're eating, what your quiet time schedule is really like, all, all these things can be actually quite embarrassing when we realize that we've been swimming in this water of habit all along. But, but remember that the core message of the gospel is that Jesus wants to make you new. And so I would say there's no room for shame or guilt there. There's only the idea that, wow, Jesus actually wants to make me a new person. Maybe I can cooperate with that and honor his grace in my life by trying new habits. And there's all sorts of ones we could talk about inside and outside of the household. But getting that point that, you know, making new habits is a way of honoring the change that Jesus wants to bring in your life, I think is really important for people to realize that this is not a legalistic endeavor, but a grace-based response to the person of Jesus.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Essential. Observations. All right, we're talking with Justin Whitmall early, and we're going to be right back. We're going to come back with a conversation about some really, really practical areas of our life, um, times during the day when we can um, think about being very intentional about not only observing the current habits that we have, but maybe changing them in the year ahead. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, picking up where we left off, we're talking with Justin Whitmill Early. You recognize him as the author of The Common Rule and Habits of the Household. You can find lots of resources about what we're discussing today at his website, JustinWhitmillEarly.com. So, Justin, picking up where we left off, I mean, let's get super duper practical. Um, let's yeah. talk about family, you know, family rhythms, family discipleship, when it actually happens. Um, Because you make these observations that it's it's really at the regular rhythms in ordinary life that we kind of need to be thinking about our habits the most.
3: Yes, yes. So, you know, for example, if you've been thinking about any New Year's resolutions with your family, maybe you've said, I want to be more patient with my kids this year. Or maybe you've said, you know, I want to pray more as a family this year. Those are great things. And so I would just say, take the next step. And work that resolution backwards into a habit. For example, if maybe your goal is to be more patient with your kids this year, one of the most important habits in my discipline life that I write about in Habits of the Household is pausing to pray at any moment before I discipline a child. Just to briefly in my head remind myself before I go to that five-year-old and talk to him about not hitting his brother, just to remind myself that I too am a selfish and violent person who needs the grace of Jesus and i think that you know that helps me approach those situations with with patience or you know the other example if your goal is to pray more as a family this year or actually study the word more as a family this year a really simple but incredibly meaningful rhythm is just setting a night of the week where maybe after dinner you stay at the table bring some snacks out to keep the kids at the table and go through a Bible verse together or have a short prayer together. Our family does this every Wednesday night. And that simple habit of saying Wednesday night is the family devotion night is the thing that moved us from nothing to something, which is a small movement, but so significant just to have something in your family life, a moment where you're praying together. So whatever your resolution is, I would just say, work it backwards into a daily or a weekly habit that you can really make actionable. And do together with your family.
0: All right. Now that seems very practical and um and very simple. I really appreciate you putting it in um in that in that kind of bite-sized frame um and working it backwards. Like I could I could imagine that. I mean, if I wanted to have family devotions this year, it's not that's not sufficient to just say, well, I want to have more family devotions this year. Like, I need to work that backwards to, okay, how could I work some family devotions in after dinner once a week? Like, that's a much more practical and reasonable, I think, way to start this. Um, uh, You talk about Mm -hmm. these points during the day or points during sort of the regular rhythm of life. You talk about, um, you know, when we're waking up. You do that in the common rule, but you also do that in Habits of the Household. You talk about um, meal time, um, and then with your kids, you know, you talk about moments of discipline. You talk about screen time. Um, I'm when when we're talking about waking, let's go to that point in time because in the common rule, that's an essential sort of time. When we're focused on different habits, um, but it's also really important when you um, when you're talking about parenting. So, can you look at both mm. of those? Like for the single person who's listening, and then maybe for the parent who's listening, that time of waking up and what we're doing, maybe reclaiming that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was actually just rereading Bonhoeffer's Life Together last night, and he was going through different places of the scripture that all refer to how people throughout Scripture, including Jesus, have, have been people who seek God in the morning. Just It was just a great reminder that you know historically and biblically, one of the marks of following Jesus has been seeking Him in the morning. And one of the marks of our culture right now, however, is um, this sort of scattered seeking of emails, notifications, or news in the morning that is really antithetical to the biblical and historical push of prayer, meditation, and Scripture in the morning. Now, so one of the things I talk about the most and that I do in my life, I did it this morning, is just to commit to Scripture before phone as a morning ritual. And you know, the great thing about habits, Carmen, um, you know, they're flexible. So on that one morning you're late or on the one morning that the, you know, the family's just going crazy, you know, that's okay. But as a normal routine, I think one of the most healthy rib- rhythms for anybody is just to say, I'm not going to open my phone until I've spent a couple minutes or a, a certain amount of meditation or prayer time with the Lord. That's really important for anybody. It's also really important if you are a parent. That's something that your kids notice, that your kids watch. One the one and the best way to teach them is just to live out the example, right? So that's one of the key rhythms in our house. But Another one is to invite kids into that rhythm. And so right now my kids are young, so they're not quite at the age where waking up and having a quiet time with me would be really profitable. But one thing that we do is that right before we all go out to the bus in school, again, we did it this morning in our foyer, is we just gather the family for about 30 seconds, and we have a short morning prayer that we all say. this This morning my three-year-old kicked it off. And we say it so much that he knows it by heart. It just, we say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for this day. Bless us as we work, study, and play. Be present with us in all we do. May we glorify and honor you. And a a three-year-old can say that, and it's just this moment where we get together and we say, all right, we're being sent out into the day. Now, I'll I'll end with this. My morning routine probably looks as rushed and frazzled and hectic with four young boys in the house as, as any of our listeners do. But I will also just note that, but it's also marked by these important moments of scripture and prayer that sort of bookend that routine. And that can make all the difference. You know, What we're talking about is not something that's radically different from the normal life. We're just talking about working in rhythms of scripture and rhythm into prayer right into normal life. And that really, really does change you, changes you in a way that resolutions never will.
0: I also think it makes normal life, like it it begins to redefine what's normal. It normalizes prayer and scripture as the rhythm of the Christian's life, and it becomes the new normal for us. And that makes us, you know, distinctive in a culture where those are not the rhythms, but I do think those are intended to be the normal rhythms, the norms Um, right. of the Christian life. And it's just that right now they seem so abnormal to us because we're not doing them habitually.
3: Mm-hmm. I think one of the most powerful things that anybody can do is just to realize what is normal in their life, and then to try to make the spiritual disciplines that we read about in Scripture, prayer, meditation, fasting, trying to make them normal things. And what an impact this has on our children, right? To, just to give them the inheritance of, oh, this is normal, this is what a normal follower of Jesus does. That's one of the most important things we will ever teach them.
0: Absolutely. And they're learning it um, as a pattern of life in a, in a household where that is the pattern of the parent. Uh, and so yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Justin Whitmull Early is the author of The Common Rule and Habits of the Household. Um, I highly recommend them to you and other resources uh, available at JustinWhitmullEarly.com. Justin, as always, thank you so much for joining us.
3: You're welcome. I hope to be back soon. Thanks, Carmen.
0: Uh, We hope to have you. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. (laughs) <laughs> All right. According to Naomi, who is listening this morning while grooming dogs in um, in response to my inquiry related to what kind of dog breed would um, would Bill English, Carmen LeBurge and Paul Perot be. Here you go. Um, Maybe no great surprise. Bill English would be a Border Collie, which also happens to be his favorite dog. So I think that is awesome. I would be a Springer Spaniel, which Naomi had no way of knowing, is also uh, my favorite dog that I've ever owned of all times. His name was Stuart. I can still feel his velvety ears and he'll hear, see his little watery eyes and hear his little, I don't know, just this wonderful little howl. All right. And Paul Perot, drum roll uh, here. (laughs) Yeah. Golden Retriever. Ah, I know. They are a good I, know. I <laughs> Right? That feels like a compliment, right? I, 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 didn't, I take it as a compliment. She didn't say any of us would be a Muddy, which I think is nice.
3: And I nothing but a hound dog or anything nothing like that. Nothing but a so, hound you know.
0: dog. howling all the time. <laughs> all right. Um, hey, that's all the time we've got today. We love being with you. Thank you for taking us along um, in your life. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio.